I heard him playing that this morning, and I said, oh, man, when are you going to play that? She said, we'll get to it. Okay. okay. <laughs> come and dine, the master calleth. Yeah, come and dine. That's going to be a great day. We're called to that feast to dine with the Lord. That's going to be a, just a... <laughs> well, it's either going to be a big long table or in a whole lot of them, one or the other, I hope. I just want to be sure I'm seated at it, that's for sure. Okay, <clears throat> we are um, just a few days away from Thanksgiving, so we want to, do want to remember that too, and, and that we set our hearts aright to be ththankful for what God's given us, and then um, also the following, the Sunday following that, we want to have um, a communion, the sun, that'll be the Sunday after, th- it's the Sunday in between our Christmas banquet and Thanksgiving. So we got, it's next Sunday, basically. That's a big, long explanation for next week, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm nervous because I'm speaking about fasting this morning. So <laughs> that's not, and here we are going to eat, be eating a whole lot for Thanksgiving. So I don't know. That's a uh, yeah, but it's just the way it fell, you know. I mean, that's just, we're, we're working through our way through the Sermon on the Mount. So, it, and it just happened to fall today. So, that's, oh, I'm just telling you, that's just the way it worked out. And then, uh, I for, did we mention, when we were having prayer requests, I forgot to mention Owen and Ava, they're sick. Jeff and Jana both woke up with sore throats this morning. So, they were all, all of them down. So, I want to remember to pray for them, too. And uh, Ava, I mean, she had her surgery and had those tubes put in her ears, but I don't know if it did any good yet. I mean, it, that poor girl, she's just constant, it seems like, cold, always, never never lets up. But anyway, okay. And then um, don't forget to sign up. I'm getting nervous. There's only three names on the list out there. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean three are not fasting and the rest of us are going to fast whether we want to or not? I'm still getting nervous. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> have faith. Uh, boy, joy keeps me, keeps me humble, I'm telling you. I, yeah, I like, I, I'll never forget, I'll never forget that one where I was... Our car broke down on the way to church. Do you remember remember that one? We were driving, and we had to go back and get our other car, cause, and then we were late getting here. And, and then how the Lord supplied this truck, and, uh, and I was bemoaning the fact that I didn't even get to pray and ask the Lord for it. God answered the, you know, he provided the truck before I even had a chance to pray. And she said, see, it's not all about you. <laughs> I said, well, okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Uh, so uh, no, I really appreciated that. That that was good. Yes, sir. Uh oh. Uh oh. We can't let that go. No, you don't have to play no song. Eighty-one. Four score and one. Okay. We're we're. We're, you know, see what we're, we're um, what do you call it, biding time. We, we knew Jeff and Angie would come here. So, <laughs> see, we wanted to mention once again about the Christmas dinner. You know, 
Yeah, in two weeks. And don't forget to bring some food for it and come and eat too. And uh, let's do it. Oh, wait a minute. What, 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 are there any more November birthdays? Ah, Kayla and Joy. That's right. I, remember, I saw that somewhere on Facebook or something. 81. Uh-uh, that's a generation right there. Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's sing it. I'm stepping away from the microphone, I can tell you that. <laughs> now if we had any thankfully see John came out here so nothing could happen but I didn't happen to think if I step away they could still change the microphone back there and make this one this one come on yeah but there's nobody back there so yeah well, I, we got to take those things serious though see I not you don't know Robert Meyer but a lot of you do you know Robert one time when he turned 50 he came to BIMI thinking that there was going to be this big celebration. Well, we just happened to have a little luncheon scheduled that day, but it wasn't for him. But he thought he thought it was. So when we had the little luncheon, nobody said, and now we'd all been instructed ahead of time, nobody said a word to him about this birthday. And he got his feelings hurt. He went home. About four o'clock, and he crawled in bed. Told his wife, "said that that upset me." Well, he didn't know that pre-planned. Uh, one of the folks had told him they was going to go out for supper, you know, and and then after they went out to do something, they were going to run by BIMI because he had forgot something. Well, there we all were. We were hiding uh, up there, and we had bought. Everybody had bought him a gift, but we bought him. Fix-a-dent and X-lax, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, all them old folk stuff. And so we had a big surprise for him. Well, he got over it, and that was so that was his big 50th birthday party. You better be, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Char- Charlie doesn't want to hear you talking about that anymore because <laughs> he's ahead of you. <laughs> okay. Well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. We are, as we said, progressing through the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, you know, this is a. The deeper you get into this message and this sermon, you, I'll tell you, the more convicting it gets to me. And not just because we happen to be at fasting here today, although that's one I need to participate in uh, and I intend to do. But when you look at the the gravity in, uh, of this sermon and the way in which we are to conduct our lives and orient our lives before the Lord... If we want to participate in that coming kingdom, when he comes to rule this earth and when he reorders government and establishes his rule 
and he sets up his administration and invites those whom he will have to participate with him, I want to be there. You know, the scriptures present this kingdom as the most glorious time this earth will ever experience. There will be nothing greater that we could experience here than to be under the Lord's rule. You know, and, and it's just amazing, and I know it's amazing, but it's not, because we, we understand the scriptures regarding the heart of man. But when I think about the rule of Christ, I just think, boy, that is who I want to be under. I am thrilled to consider myself a slave of Jesus Christ. To have him ruling over me. Because when you look at the alternative, how could you imagine anyone else being your king or being your authority? Who would you want? Who would you pick? And many say today, no one. I want to be my own king. I want to rule myself. I want to have it my own way. And that's the world's message today. I want it my way. I want to do my thing. And this whole sermon is all about not having your way. It's all about letting the Lord have his way in your life. We've seen this in so many areas here. In the Beatitudes. And the, hum, the, the humbleness, the humility, the meekness, the purity, the mournful spirit, the poor spirit, contrite spirit that we are to have if we really want to be a participant in that kind of a kingdom, that kind of a rule. And so when we say that we have faith in God, we better realize that what our faith extends out to it's not just faith in God to give me what I want today or to take care of my needs now, but it's looking ahead to what he's promised to give us and being willing then to do what it takes to be a participant in what he is going to establish on the earth. And all these things we've looked at, we've come to... Uh, a hefty chapter here in chapter 6 and some hefty topics. Giving, well, a, a, I think an overarching thing here is our charitable deeds or our deeds of righteousness or as the King James expresses it, our alms, our alms deeds, the things that we do that express or should express our devotion to God. And he tells us here, we've seen the right way to do it and the wrong way. And in all of these expressions here of prayer and giving and fasting, we see that they are to be done privately. There are certain things regarding our relationship to God and his authority over us that's to be done privately. And we understand there are public prayers. We understand there's giving that's done in public. We just did it. We've had public prayer already. Fasting can be a public thing. 
But when it comes to expressing our devotion to our Father in heaven, then it's to be something done in private. And he mentions that in all three of these instances regarding our giving, our praying, and our fasting, that they are to be done in secret. Now, that is the only way that we will ever gather the reward or reap the reward that our Heavenly Father has for us. He tells us praying has a reward if it's done in secret, if it's behind the closet door, which just is an expression meaning behind the closed door. It's not out and open in public. We pray privately. We give privately, secretly, not to make a show and so on. And we come over here to the matter of fasting, and he speaks of the same thing. And he has said in all three of these instances, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So he doesn't say if you give or if you pray or if you fast. The Lord Jesus makes an assumption that we're going to be doing these things. Now I know that in our day and age, we don't talk much about fasting. We talk an awful lot about eating, but not so much about fasting. Especially the kind of fasting that is expressed here and the kind of fasting that the Bible teaches us that we should be doing. He says here in these verses, verses 16 to 18, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And so we have a promise there that if we fast in secret, God sees it. And what he sees in secret, he says, he will bring out into the open in a matter of reward. Now, also we saw here that um, we see in verse 16 there, when ye fast. Now, last week I titled the sermon, When You Pray. And I put the word you in quotation marks with the emphasis on you or ye, all of you, plural. It's in emphatic there. And it's emphatic here too, but I changed it. I, I, I just said put the quotations around when. Because it's when, he says, you fast. And we should. If you... Turn with me. Well, let's see. Let's don't do that. Let's look at that word hypocrites again. We've looked at it already. It's just the word that means play acting. And it's a word, again, that just is by way of reminder that reminds us of it's, it's a person on a stage acting out something else than what they really are. And he's chiding here, again, those who went about the streets of Jerusalem, fasting, 
disfiguring their faces in, in whatever fashion, and I don't know exactly how they did it. Some surmise that they probably put dirt on their faces, dust in their hair, you know, maybe wore sackcloth in association with it. And the reason is because he says in verse 17, he says, but you, when you fast, anoint thy head and wash thy face. In other words, you go out looking as a normal person would look. Don't try to gather or garner attention to yourself as he did with giving and praying in order that you might be seen of men. And you, know, you, and you, you figure the Lord must bring this to our attention for a reason. Because it's purely human nature that we want to do that. We want people to know we, how close we are to the Lord or how devoted we are in our service to Christ and so on. But he says here, thou, you see the switch again, just like it was before. He says, when ye, plural, all of you, whenever all, all of you is a group here and you fast. But he says, but thou, you individually, you anoint your head and wash your face. Why? So that you don't appear on the men to fast. That's the whole idea. Hide it. Keep it secretive and don't let it be known to those to those around you. Now, also, verse 18, our prayer is to be directed to a certain direction, not towards well, our prayer, our fasting. Giving, praying, fasting, all... In, in, in what he's admonishing against is those who give and pray and fast with their direction towards men to get their attention rather than towards their heavenly father. So he says in verse 18, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but to thy father, which is in secret. So we don't have to worry about the outward appearance when it comes to fasting before our Father because he sees in secret, he knows what we're doing. He knows when we're giving. He knows when we're praying. He knows when we're fasting. And then he says, he which sees in secret will reward thee openly. I want to take some time to look at fasting in the scriptures and to show us that it is a valuable thing. Now, I don't say that because I fast. Matter of fact, I can only remember fasting in a very serious way one time, and it was for one day, and I didn't think I was going to make it. <laughs> it was a struggle, I want to tell you. Now, that was a long time ago. But this has reinvigorated me to pursue after this idea of fast. And I know some that fast for other reasons. Some fast for dietary reasons and so on. And those are good things. The word fast just simply means not to eat food. This is the most basic meaning you, you could get. Don't eat food. When you think about the word breakfast, think break fast. And that's what breakfast is. You're breaking the fast from the previous night because you've gone probably several, several hours unless you've been up raiding the refrigerator during the middle of the night, you're breaking your fast. Now, there is what we would just call the normal fast. 
not eating food. Sometimes you would include with that not drinking. There is some instances here in what we would call a total fast or an absolute fast, and that is where you didn't eat or drink anything. I want us to turn back to Ezra <coughs> chapter, chapter uh, 10, and I wanna, I'm, want us to look at these for a reason because after a while you begin to see somewhat of a common theme to the matter of fasting. In Ezra chapter 10 and verse 6, and you remember, it is so well to remember here the context that the captives have, had come back from Babylon. They had made the long journey. Now, there, there were others who had been living in, in Judah as well as in the city in Jerusalem. But in verse 6, it says there, Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib, and when he came thither, he did eat no bread, nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. In other words, the sin. And you see here that there was a mournful spirit or attitude on the part of the one not doing the eating or not doing the drinking. Now, look at uh, Esther. Just turn a few pages over to the right. Ezra, Nehemiah, then Esther. In chapter 4, and you know this, this passage here. And there was another situation arose that called for fasting. Chapter 4, verse 16. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. <clears throat> and if I perish, I perish. And, of course, we know the situation there, that this decree had gone out to kill all the Jews. And Mordecai had pled with his uh, niece, with Esther, who he had taken as his own daughter, to go before the king, even though it was illegal, against the law, to do so. But he made her realize that, if you don't go, don't think you're going to escape just because you sit in a high position being a queen. Every Jew will be killed. And so she made the agreement. But in doing so, she said, fast three days and three nights. And it was a total fast. No food and no drink. And then if you'll look over to the New Testament in Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul. And we find here that there was a, a fast here on the part of Paul. Does it use the word fast? But the fact that he, was, he withheld food and drink indicates that's exactly what it was. And, and of course, in Acts chapter 9, you know that's the encounter, the occasion of the encounter that Paul had with the Lord on the Damascus Road. And there he told him, uh, it says in verse 8, Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him into, by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink for those three days. So we find that there's a, a, a fast that is a complete, total fast. No food, no drink. 
And it is possible, you know, that you could fast longer than that. But these were the normal absolute fasts. You remember that Moses and Elijah both fasted without food or drink for 40 days. Now, I don't know too many people. I have heard of them, but I don't know anybody that's ever done that without food or drink. You could go 40 days without food, but to go without drink is an unusual thing. And, of course, with, with Moses, when he fasted, and with Elijah, those were extraordinary circumstances in which they went 40 days. Then you have partial fast. It's not withholding all food or all drink, but just a part. You might withhold or abstain from just a certain thing. Okay? So it could be even just something simple as food. Uh, that, you know, a certain kind of food that you choose not to participate in or partake of. Daniel chapter 10. Now, you know, in the first part of the book of Daniel, you know, that he went and, and uh, his three other brethren went on a particular diet of vegetables only. But if you look back at Daniel chapter 10, you find there that Daniel was on another kind of diet, a fast. And chapter 10, what is it? Verse 1. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and by the way, this is many years later. Daniel's a pretty old man by now. He says, A thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Now, in this particular case, you see it says, Neither did I anoint myself at all, but... Uh, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, he didn't stop eating, apparently. He just withheld, it says, flesh, nor pleasant bread, nor wine. Did he eat vegetables? Sounds like he kept his diet from what he had had previously. But he didn't keep that same diet, apparently, his whole life. It was for a particular time, a particular period, to accomplish a certain thing. And you'll notice here, again... A key word that's associated with this. He was in mourning. And you'll find that repeatedly when men in the scriptures fasted. It was because they were mourning over something. And quite frequently it was over sin. With Elijah, or, uh, in uh, Ezra's case it was over the transgressions of his people. And for the reasons that they were carried into captivity. Here... Um, he says there he was mourning, <clears throat> excuse me, three full weeks. Now, if you'll look at, uh, let's see here, I've got a couple, couple others I want to look at. Turn over to, um, we'll go back to Matthew chapter 9. And by the way, the key men of the, new, uh, of the scriptures, not just the New Testament, but the scriptures, fasted. People like, well, we mentioned Moses and, and uh, Daniel, but David fasted, you remember, when um, the baby that he and Bathsheba had had, and he fasted for a period of time until the baby died. And then it says he arose, washed himself, and went and took food. So it was for a specified time. And we find that frequently it was three days. 
a period of time for fasting. Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 14. When should we fast? Well, the Lord says, now. Now is the time for fasting. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? By the way, you notice they hadn't been fasting, the disciples, in this particular occasion. But notice what he says then. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn? Well, there we see that connection again with mourning. Can they mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Now, of course, the valuable lesson for us here is that the bridegroom was with the disciples. And the picture you had was one of joy and completeness. And there was no need for fasting then. But when the bridegroom is taken from them, he said then they will. And so that establishes another principle for us regarding when to fast. The bridegroom is gone from us now. And so now is the time when we practice fasting. In that day, when he comes to establish his kingdom and we participate in that marriage feast, it will be a marriage feast that will last for a thousand years. There will be no fasting during the millennial kingdom. No need to. And you'll not maybe notice also in verse 15, it says, can the children of the bridegroom. It's literally there. It's the sons of the bride chamber. Can the sons of the bride chamber mourn? What was the bride chamber? It was the room where the wedding was. And you, you heard us me say a few weeks ago, this expression is common uh, with, with uh, the Jews to refer to something as sons of as an expression to say those which are partakers of or those which belong to. And here he's simply talking about those who were the members of the wedding party. Those who had been invited and were in the, the bridal chamber there to participate in the wedding ceremony. They were the wedding guests. And so he's really telling us then, when the wedding guests are there at the wedding, there's no mourning then. There is no need for fasting then. But when the bridegroom is taken away, then, then we mourn. Then we fast. And the last thing I want to mention here, um, at least I think it's going to be the last thing, is that Well, back to Matthew, just a couple pages back, to Matthew chapter 6. And I've already mentioned this, but I want to hit it again. That our fasting, he says, is unto thy father. Unto thy father. There is a direction to our fasting. It is not something that we do just to satisfy ourselves. To say, make us more spiritual, although that is a side benefit, it happens. And many, many people of even religions other than Christianity fast. fast. Why do they do that? It's because when you fast, when you abstain, when you 
refuse to let your body, your flesh, have certain things, and in particular food, but drink also, then it puts you in a closer connection with the spirit world. And even unsaved, unregenerated, and false religions recognize that. And they fast for that reason. We fast for another reason. It's to put us in a closer connection with our Heavenly Father. We fast unto Him. Zechariah chapter 7, if you would turn back there. Now, that's Old Testament. takes you just a few pages back from Matthew. You want to go left there a little bit. Zechariah chapter 7. And this one's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but we want to take a look at it. Beginning in verse 1. He says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah in the fourth day of the ninth month, even in Chislu. When they had sent unto the house of God, Sherezer and Regemelech, and their men to pray before the Lord, and to speak unto the priests which were in the house of the Lord of hosts, and to the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I have done these so many years? Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying. Now, if we look at those first three verses, you can even recognize just, if you read into it a little bit, the tone with which that question was asked. In other words, I want to go through the mechanics of fasting but I want to make sure I get it on the right day. And so the Lord's answer is then in verse 5, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, that is the 70 years that you were in captivity, did ye at all fast unto me? Even to me? And that's an incredible thing as I stop and think about that, that here they were in captivity in a foreign land in Babylon because of the transgressions of Israel, because of her sins, and they were fasting, and yet they still were not fasting to the Lord. And so on. He says in verse 6, And when you did eat and when you did drink, did you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Doesn't that remind us of is it 1 Corinthians 10.31? Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That isn't what they were doing. He says you're eating and drinking to yourselves. Should you not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity, and the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plain? In other words, before the captivity, when you were still in the land and you were enjoying the prosperity of the land, shouldn't you have been hearing the words of the Lord then? So in verse 8, then he says, The word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, 
execute true judgment and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother and oppress not the widow nor the fatherless, the stranger nor the poor and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. Don't even imagine evil against your brother in your heart. You know, this looks like these two or three verses here, a condensed version of the Sermon on the Mount. God's teaching to his people was the same then as it is for us today. It issues forth from the heart. Now, they were all bent up on keeping the legalities of the law, praying on the right day, fasting on the right day. And the Lord is calling their attention back to the things that issue forth out of the heart. He says there in verse 11, but they refused to hearken, I like this expression, and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Has anybody ever done that? You ever seen any kids do that? (laughs) We tease Tori and Anna especially. They both have been guilty of doing that. And we've kidded them about that. It's a natural expression that we do when we're upset and we're pouty. And we don't want to do what we know we're supposed to do. And and it's amazing that when we look at the, the, the leaders of the people of Israel... The ones who should have been being an example and teaching the people were the very ones who when the prophets came and preached to them God's word in the midst of times of prosperity just went, "Mm," or "Mm." I think the grandkids go, "Mm." oh no, I know what it was, it was "Mm," like this. That's what we did. That was our big thing. Oh, cross them arms and "Mm." Pulled the shoulder. Let's see, what's the other expression? We have, um, not, I'm thinking of, um, not cut an attitude. What is it? Huh? What? Cop, cop? Yeah, that's it. I knew there was another word. Cop an attitude. Same expression. I mean, you know, how many times we read things like this and we don't stop and think some terms of our own day on our own actions and our own attitudes. When you come back over here to the Sermon on the Mount and the preaching that Jesus was presenting to his disciples, you find no difference. The gospel, when received... When we believe and receive Jesus Christ, should change us. It should make us different. It should make us have a different attitude. And if we don't, if the prospect of missing out on the Lord's millennial rule doesn't change us, then I can guarantee you nothing else will. Our 
best friend, our spouse, our family members, our pastor, not even God himself will we respond to and change if we don't see the value and truth of participation in his kingdom rule. That is the motivating factor and the motivating principle that lies behind the sermon. Because if you go back to chapter 5, at the very beginning, even in these Beatitudes, notice what he says in verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn. Now, I don't know if fasting was connected with this mourning that he's speaking of here. But I certainly know that mourning is connected with fasting every, almost every time you see fasting taking place. And in the bottom line, then, of all of this is what underlies everything else that's been preached or by the Lord Jesus in this sermon. And that's in verse 20. And that is, and except your righteousness exceeds or abounds or superabounds above and beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees, he says, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, one has said that this, these words, your righteousness, just simply means your active obedience. Your active, not your static righteousness, but the active righteousness of what we do every day must play itself out in life. And that's what makes the gospel real, is that it changes us and makes us a different kind of people than what's in the world. So the gospel needs to change us. And when we are changed, then we, then we can approach with confidence the promise that God has given us to participate in his kingdom rule. We can pray, we can give, and we can fast with the confidence, if we do it accordingly, of course, and that's in secret, in private, without show, not broadcasting it, then we know that he sees us. What he sees is what's going to be brought up in that coming day. The, the contrary to this is those who gave and fasted and prayed for the show of men, that is, just to be known for what we have in the present day, they've already had their reward. And the implication of that word, they have their reward, is they have it now and they have it to the full, meaning that's all you're going to get, nothing more. So I... I'm not going to encourage you to fast, except as you feel led of the Lord to do so. But I know what this has done for me. It's prompted me to want to look for opportunities from the Lord at the right time to fast for the right purpose and with the right motive.
and then to be careful that I do fast unto my heavenly Father. The, the riches and rewards of fasting are beyond expression, beyond what we can know in, in terms of words or how to, how to express it because it deals with our, our intimacy and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, how thankful we are that we have your word to rely upon, that we can rest upon it for its truthfulness, its veracity, to know that what you have given us to do here in this sermon is not beyond our reach. It's not impossible for us to do. And that if we act obediently and carry out these precepts, that you will take note of it and you will acknowledge us accordingly. And we look forward then with joy and happiness and confidence to that day when these things will be revealed, things that others know nothing about today. Lord, help us to walk in that spirit, to walk in that attitude, and we'll give you all the thanks and praise for what you do in our hearts, in our life, and in this body of Christ here. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.